right, praise the Lord. It's a wonderful day. Uh, we just uh, had a great time together as a family, um, just to celebrate uh, Christmas time with, with our loved ones. I hope you had a great time with your loved ones, your family, your relatives, friends, to be able to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's an awesome time of the season to do that um, because it just reminds us of the, the hope that we have, the that Jesus came to a dark world to bring life and to bring light to men. And I thank God for that. I don't know about you, but I thank God that he brought light to me uh, in 1990, brought life to me and brought me into his kingdom. And that every day, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing to just be sure for my savior, to serve him with my whole heart. And I pray that you would do the same, that this new year coming up in 2022, maybe you've been living a life that just kind of is a nominal Christian life. Well, you know what? That's not what God created you to do. He created you to live a life full and abundant. And what does that mean? A life that's full of the Holy Spirit in your life, a life that's full of uh, doing his will, reaching people for him, uh, loving, being his hands and his feet in this world, his mouthpiece to declare the good news. And uh, this is what we're here to do. We're not here just to sit around on the sidelines. I know a lot of us are used to being fans and being on the stands watching our team play. But you know what? I don't know about you, but I, want to, I would like to get on that field and play and, and run on that field. You know what? God has allowed all of us who are born again of his spirit to be able to get on the field uh, of evangelism, to get on the field in this world, to get in the battle and to fight the good fight of faith. So with that being said, let's pray as we get started uh, this morning. I'm so excited to be able to share the word of God with you guys here in this house. Uh, this is a house church right now and be praying for Manifest Church. We're believing God to open doors for us to be able to have a place where we can gather together and worship outside of here and uh, for it to grow. And uh, just lift us up. Pray for me. Pray for my wife. Pray for those in this church and uh, those of you who who live locally, man, we want you to be a part. Maybe you, we've connected somewhere, somehow. Maybe God, through his spirit, has been telling you to come and connect with us. Obey him and do it. Because God wa wants to do something through us to glorify his name in this time, for, for this time and this season of life. So I just want to encourage you to, to pray and then to obey the Lord. Uh, so let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this time together. We ask you, Lord, to just uh, speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We need you, Lord. We have no uh, ability to understand your word apart from your spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to everyone that's here in this room. Those who will be watching, those who are watching currently, and those who will listen later to the podcast. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will capture their hearts. And that, God, your word will cut through all the mess and bring about conviction bring about vision and purpose life to those who hear lord we just i just ask you to speak through me lord as i always remind the lord it is you who makes me comp competent to preach this word i'm not competent on myself i don't have the wisdom i don't have anything but you and that's what i have lord and i want to give that to those around me lord. use me for your glory in jesus name Amen. Well, amen. Uh, we've been talking about be prepared for the battle. You know, it's so important. Uh, again, as I've been uh, stating, I really believe God is, uh, as we're approaching this 2022, 
You need to understand that we are in a spiritual battle more than ever before. Uh, too many Christians are living nominal lives. They're not understanding. Uh, and as we talked before, some Christians are living in the flesh, and that's why they're asleep spiritually. They're not engaged in the battle, and that's where the enemy has neutralized their lives. They've, he's got them living in the, uh, the flesh and his passions and desires, and because of that, they're not living productive in the kingdom of God. They're actually uh, just coasting. They're not really doing anything. They're actually like in a sleep mode. You ever had a computer on and it goes to, it's, it's on, but it's in sleep mode. There isn't no activity going on, so it goes to sleep. And that's what happens when you as a believer are not engaged in the spirit of God, when you're not committed to following him fully. You're just kind of, thank you for my salvation, Lord. I love you. I still believe in you. But I'm not really walking out in obedience like I should. And you know what? We need to be careful because, you know, we say there's carnal Christians all that. I don't know that. You may not even be a Christian living like that. So we don't want to be like that's a good place. It's not a good place to be. It's not a place where any of us as believers want to be in a fleshly place, a place of being asleep and not being effective for our Lord. And guess what? He makes us effective. It's not I'm, I'm not a super Christian. No, there's no super Christian. Can I tell you that there's no super Christian? We all have one spirit to drink of. Hallelujah. One baptism, one Lord. And man, God is not a respecter of persons. If you surrender your life to him, Jesus wants to use you for his glory in this world. He wants to make you shine like a star among a wicked and perverse generation. All you have to do is surrender your life. All you have to do is confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says you'll be saved. God will fill you with the Holy Spirit and you will begin to do mighty exploits for the God, you know. Amen. And this is what it's about. We're not to be sitting around just coasting through life. God wants to use you mightily. And you might go, well, Lord, how is he going to use me? I'm just a, you know, I just work at a, a, you know, a bus driver. Or I'm just a, a lawyer. Or I'm just this or I'm just that. Who cares what you are doing? God doesn't care. He takes the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He takes what men despise and makes it great. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's going to get the glory, not you. Because if you can do mighty things on your own, why do you need God? And you know what? No one can do anything unless God allows it to be. So I'm going to tell you that right now. There's nobody worthy of his love, worthy of his grace, worthy of his power. No one. It is by grace through faith, not of ourselves, is a gift of God. Amen. So remember that as you as you are hearing this word today, it doesn't matter what you've been doing. Today's a day. Today's a moment where you can change that direction. Today, God is speaking to you through his word. His spirit is convicting and moving in your heart. Today, you can surrender. You can say like the old song, I surrender all. I surrender all. You can surrender everything. So we've been talking about being prepared for the battle. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 this is where we've been. And again, we're going to read verse 10 and we're going to finish in verse 18. Let's read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. 
And after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Amen. Praise God for his word. You know, today we're going to we're going to start. Uh, we, we finished off last week of uh, having our feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. And today we're going to continue looking at the armor and, and beginning to apply what we hear by faith, mixing what we hear by faith in our lives and and putting on. We're going to look at the shield of faith. You know, a shield is a shield in the Greek uh, means a shield, a large ob oblong, a four cornered shield. The type of shield Paul is describing here in Ephesians in the natural uh, he's describing this in order for us to understand we're in a battle and why we need a shield. And it is conveying a spiritual truth. Um, and it's not a small shield. You know, some, some of us who watch, you know, if you like watching like night movies and things like that, and they have this little small round shield or, or some kind of shield that they have, it's not that kind of shield because uh, that, that, that shield can't protect your whole body. Just, it's just there for a quick, you know, sword swing or something like that. But the shield that he was talking about, uh, here covers the whole body. It protects the whole body from the ground up. You can protect yourself completely. And uh, I was doing a little research and the Roman, because when Paul was preaching, Romans were the ones that were in, in power in the world. They were the, they were the superpower of the world, the Roman, um, the Romans, they were, in, they were the superpower of the world. And so what the Roman soldiers had was called the suctum uh, shield, and that shield was a large four corner shield that would protect the whole body of a soldier. You know, uh, they would uh, they, that shield would go down. And, and, it, and it was it would stand this tall. And so they could crouch and get in there. And then the ones behind them could put their shield above them. And that would even be a, 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 a more of a, a covering for them from what the arrows that are going to be lunged, lunged at them. Uh, in ancient battles, your the adversary would launch flaming arrows in order to take out and bring confusion uh, amongst the soldiers. Yeah, think about it, man. You see these flaming arrows coming, and all of a sudden, your your friends are they're getting hit with the arrow, and they're all like, ah, you know, running around because fire. They're getting on fire. Their clothes, their some of their their uh, shields are getting on fire. I mean, it, it creates pandemonium. People are like out of sorts. And, and then now what happens? It, now you can send in the cavalry. Now you can, you can charge the battle. Why? Because the, the enemy is disillusioned. They're, they're, they're scatterbrained. Why? Because there's all this craziness going on because their, their friends are on fire. They're trying to put out a fire and, and all this is going on. And so the, this was important. And you need to understand the Bible tells us here that Satan... Uh, he is going to throw flaming arrows at you, flaming arrows at your life spiritually. We're because we're, 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 we're natural people and we look at things in the natural and we think, well, there ain't no arrow coming at me right now. Yeah, yeah. It's not coming at you in the way that you think in the natural. It comes 
uh, in a supernatural way because, again, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and authorities in the heavenly realms, wickedness. These are things in the unseen realm. We don't see it because a spirit you can't see. Amen. You can't see that. And so we're in this battle. But what's awesome about this, if you're a Christian, this also lets you know that Satan can only attack a believer from the outside because he can't have any believer demon possessed. He can't get in them. Why? Because a Christian is possessed by one spirit, the Holy Spirit. God's spirit dwells there. And let me tell you something. Don't you believe that God's spirit is greater than demons? Amen. I do. God's spirit is stronger than demons. So that spirit can't come into this house. Why? Because it's indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, a Christian does not have to be worried about an evil spirit coming in, into their body and taking possession of them. That will not happen to a Christian. He will use, Satan will use any means at his disposal to neutralize the threat to his kingdom. And a Christian that is obedient to Christ is a threat to Satan's kingdom. When you and I begin to walk in what God has called us to walk in, humbling ourselves, living a life obedient to him, we're a threat to Satan's kingdom. And he's going to use any means necessary to neutralize you, to keep you at a place where you cannot harm his kingdom. He's going to use whatever arrows he can. I want to talk to you about a couple arrows that I see Satan using and he uses it. Why? Because he's the great deceiver. He's that Satan. He's the deceiver. He's been doing it from the beginning. We remember when Eve was deceived in the garden. Why? Because he came to distort the truth. And our adversary has been doing this for a long time, as I mentioned before. And if you think you're smarter than the, than the devil, you got another thing coming to you. He's smarter than you. He's more powerful than you. And the only hope that you have is God's spirit living in you and his word to help you against the onslaught of his arrows that come your way. Two arrows that I want us to look at this morning is he uses arrows of false teaching and unbelief. These two are one of the primary arrows. He, and there may be other ones that people may talk about, but I want to focus on these two because I think these are some root issues that come. I want you to see uh, that false teaching is a big deal. And it was a big deal. The Apostle Paul was very concerned for the church that false teaching would get in. I want you to see something that false teaching does to people. Look at 2 Corinthians with me. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want to show you in verse 3. I'm going to get as far as I can this morning. But I want you to see this. Look what he says to the church in Corinth. In verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 11. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Man, that's strong. Look at verses 13 and 15 of this same chapter. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. 
the, object, the objective of the arrows of false teaching is to corrupt your minds from a sincere and pure devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you might think, well, pastor, I don't, you know, false teaching. I mean, I'm at your church, so I, I'm okay. Well, false teaching comes not just from a Christianese or a Christendom message. It could come right from that university you go to and from that professor that you uh, look up to. It could come from uh, a friend. It could come from anyone that you see and you take what they say uh, uh, as weight. That could become a false message to you. And there's a lot of false messages going on around there. Uh, one of those big time is, is thinking that we can have justice through a man in, in a philosophical way that comes from a human mindset, a humanistic mindset to bring true justice in the world. And that is not the case. And what it's doing is actually creating even more injustices. See, when man tries to correct things on his own, he makes things worse. We already, the Bible says that, that the wages of sin is death. And so when you and I, who are sinners by nature, and not only by nature, but we are sinners by choice, we, we, don't only, we are not only uh, born into sin, but we also choose to sin. We also make choices daily to do what is against God's law. And what's against God's moral law? We do it. And so for us to think that us as human beings have the capacity or the comp, uh, we're competent enough to, to, to do something apart from the light, apart from knowledge, the knowledge of God, we've got another thing coming to us. That's why we're seeing the, the, the destruction of our own nation here. I'm an American, and I see the destruction of my own nation. Why? Because we have rejected the living God. And when you reject God, what is the vacuum that comes in is humanistic uh, false teachings that come in from philosophies of men built on the basic principles of this world, but they're not built in Jesus Christ, and therefore the house is crumbling. When the house crumbles, it's because the, it's because the, the foundation isn't right. We need, a, we, need a, we need to get the foundation right in America. We need to turn back to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to put our trust in Him. Why? Because people have turned to false teachers. And the Apostle Paul was concerned about this when he uh, when he was giving his farewell address to the Ephesian elders of, of, in, in Acts chapter 20. Let's go over there. I want to show you this. Oh, man, false teachers. It's part of the end times. This is what the Bible says will take place. This is not new, but he was warning believers about this. I want you to go to Acts chapter 20, and we're going to look at verses 25 through 31. Let me get a little water here. Let's look here. Now I know that none of you, uh, that none of, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will, rise, will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that 
For three years, I never stopped warning you, warning each of you night and day with tears. Man, you want to talk about a tense moment? The Apostle Paul, you know, he's never going to see these elders again that he's established in the church of Ephesus. And he's concerned for them because he I'm sure he's seeing and he has heard of people following these false teachers out there. And he's concerned because he's like, you know, the apostle, he's like the authority, you know, and he's got to go. He's got to go where God is taking him. And he's, he knows that he's not going to see them again. He's only going to be able to write to them. And, and this is such an important issue because um, he's like, look, I know when I leave. You need to be good shepherds of the flock. You need to watch over God's people. And, you, and because they're going to come, they're going to arise from among you. See, the, the false teachers even come from among you. How many times have you heard someone say that they were Christians and now they're atheists? Now they have rejected God completely. They've come from within. How many, how many movie stars, how many, how many singers have come and grew up in the church and what are they doing now? They're singing for Satan. They're worshiping the devil. They're doing his work and not God's work. They're giving the, the gifting and talents of, that God has given them to worship Satan. Why? How do we know this? Well, because we know Satan was the worship leader of heaven. That was his role. His role was to, to orchestrate the worship of God in heaven. And what does he want? He wants to be worshipped. And so he, he uses uh, the music and the culture today to draw people away from the truth, to draw people away from God with the illusion, hey, I'm going to give you fame. I'm going to give you this. You're going to have all this. And you know what? He, you get all of this, and it, but in return, you're losing your soul. You're losing the very thing that you can have that's, that's going to... See, the, the thing that's going to last beyond this world is the soul. That's why Jesus said, hey, if a man gained, what, what if a man gains the whole world yet loses his soul? What has, he get, what has he gained? The answer is nothing. If you gain the fame, if you gain what you desired from your heart with this world that Satan promises you to have, what have you really gained? Because at the end of the day, the only thing that delivers us from death is righteousness. And we talked about that last week. Righteousness can only come through Jesus Christ because he paid the price for us. Let's look at another false thing that uh, false teacher area here. Go with me to Second Peter. Um, I can keep going down that road, but I need to move on here. Second Peter. Chapter two. Second Peter, chapter two, it says in verse one. But there, also, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you. They will certainly, uh, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. It says here in verse 2, Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into dispute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to, do, to be held for judgment, 
if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. Man, I mean, I know I read a lot there, but this is incredible. The apostle uh, Peter is also warning the church that, listen, just like back in the days uh, in, in, the, in the old patriarch times, when, when false prophets would appear, they're also going to come among you today. And they're here today. And he, one of the things that, uh, again, we saw that they come in secretly introducing this destructive heresies. Heresies mean it, it's, it's, it's a form of, of derailing or creating a sect. In other words, you, you create division. So they come with secret destructive heresies. This is not um, that heresy in this context and what the Bible is saying here is is a bad context because there's nothing wrong with sex or having uh, we're talking about sect s-e-c-t a sect or a division uh, among people that may be okay uh, there could be uh, we got Methodist we have Baptist we have uh, Pentecostal we have Assembly of God we have these sects within the Christian faith but they do not bring destructive uh, divisions it's not destructive divisions we we have differences on the minors of the faith on the non-essentials of faith but we have a uh, consistency and unity in the essentials of the faith and that's why we're not completely separated from the body of christ why because we we believe in the tenets of the faith we have we have we have come to the essentials of the faith but we can defer on non-essential things, okay? And I don't want to get into that too much. That's not the point of that. But my point is just to explain to you that there are some sects within the Christian faith, but it doesn't mean that they, because they're, uh, whether they're Methodist, Baptist, again, uh, Presbyterian, or whatever the case may be, whatever denomination within Christendom, unless they begin to go away from the truth of God's word and reject the essentials of the faith, what, what is black and white in the scriptures, now we can have fellowship. Now we can have unity. Why? Because you're rejecting the orthodoxy of scripture. You're saying uh, you're rejected that. So that is destructive. And they come in secretly. Secretly meaning stealth-like. It, see, who, when, when you're listening to uh, 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 someone talk about social justice, who, who doesn't want to be looked at as a racist? Like, who doesn't want to be looked at that way? I don't know anybody here that says, hey, I want to be looked at as a racist. No, no, nobody ever wants to be looked at that way. Nobody wants to, to have that word thrust upon them. But and so people capitulate to a message that comes actually from a racist heart. And from a, 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 a ideology that actually is, is created to separate people into classes, to create a war, to create division in a nation to basically crumble its foundations. That is the goal of this type of philosophy. Yet people 
it comes in in the church, I want you to know that there are pastors out there who are telling their congregation to read books written by non-Christians on justice. Let me tell you something. As this pastor right here, I'm going to tell you from you. You want to know about justice, read the Bible. The Bible tells you what justice is and righteousness. You don't need a non-Christian to tell you what it means to be right and just. God will tell you what that is. But what happens? Because we want to be in with the world. We want to be in the crowd. Those, those pastors who are introducing, secretly introducing destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord. God, what does that mean? God is over all spheres, right? God is over the sphere of government. God is over the sphere of justice and righteousness. God rules over it all. And you know, if I want to know something about what justice is, I look to his word and it's clear. It's clear. Man, if you look to God's word and you see what God calls justice, you'll be, man, we'll be great. But you know something? One thing we have to understand that we live on this side of eternity. And on this side of eternity, it's never going to be perfect because we're imperfect people. But if we have his word as our guide, as the light for our path and a lamp for our feet, right? If we have that, then man, we can, we can glorify him. We can do what is right. We can correct the wrongs when they're done. But we can't do it from a humanistic mindset. And that is exactly what Marxism has done in this world that has created where God is, doesn't matter. It is what we think. And that is why we are seeing this country crumble right before our eyes. We've rejected the living God. We've rejected his word. Not everybody, but a, a good part of this nation. And it's happening even in pulpits. This is why false teaching is a flaming arrow that, ate, that Satan throws. Ooh, how am I doing on time? Let's see. Okay. Um, I don't know that I'm going to get to the helmet. So I'll finish up with, with just this section. Secondly, unbelief. Satan wants to distort the truth. And he wants you not to believe God. He wants you not to believe him at his word. In the New Testament, disbelief of the truth of the gospel, that's what unbelief is. It's, it's uh, disbelief of the truth of the gospel, rejecting the rejecting of Christ as the savior of men and the doctrines he, he taught distrust of God's promises and faithfulness okay when this happens the unbelief is is one of the root of, of sin because we are not believing what God says we believe the lie <laughs> let me show you what Romans 1 says I want to remind you of this some of you've read this many times and I've read it to you many times It says here, Romans 18, Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what, he has, what has been made. So that people are without excuse. Listen to this. For although they knew God, 
They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. That's what's happening in this generation. When they have gone to false teaching and an unbelief in their hearts, they claim to be wise, but yet they're fools. He says here, uh, they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. What do we have today? People worshiping the earth and the animals, and they worship created things rather than the Creator. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual morality for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth. Listen to this. In order to get to this deprived mind, in order to get to this place, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. See, unbelief is where you say, I don't believe God and I, now I believe the lie. What Satan has told me in my flesh and in my thoughts, that's what I believe, not what God says, not what His Word says, now I believe my own understanding of what things should be. What I believe is right. And that is the danger. Because it is, a, it is taking you away from the truth. And then when you do that, what was restraining you from sinning, now you have lifted the restraints and now you're living in total depravity. It is a, it's a downward spiral. All because you reject you have an unbelieving heart. <clears throat> I want you to see this unbelief. Uh, Matthew 13, we're almost done. Matthew 13, verse 58. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. I thought this was interesting, very profound. Jesus, Jesus is God in the flesh, amen? He's, he's healing people. People are getting up out of, you know, paralyzed states, uh, arms growing back, limbs growing back when he touches them. The blind who were born blind, being able to see, who were born mute, being able to speak. Demons driven out of people. When he speaks, people, the hearts of men tremble before his words, Amen. Jesus is, is doing this, and look what it says here, that Jesus did not do many miracles there, not because he couldn't, but because he would not do it for people who didn't believe. They would not believe. They would not believe God. Look, at it, look over here. I want to show you the disciples. You know, some of us sometimes can, can get in unbelief, maybe because we're afraid or or are or, or we listening to something that's making us fearful to take the step of faith to live for God? <clears throat> to obey his word. Watch what the disciples, I love this. Look what it says here. I want you to see in Romans, uh, um, excuse me, Mark 16. Um, I want to just start here in verse 9. It says, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive, and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. 
they, these returned and reported to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating, and he rebuked them for what? Their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Do you see that even within Christians that you can get a sinful, unbelieving heart, that you can become, uh, well, I don't believe that he rose. Can you imagine Mary Magdalene sees Jesus, uh, uh, he appears to her, she, he's alive, he's a well, he's risen from the grave, and she's going back to the disciples. These were the men who Jesus poured three and a half years of his life into. They saw him do the miracles. He, he taught them privately. He walked with them. He ate with them. He sat with them. He, he, he journeyed all over with him, all over Jerusalem, all Judea and, and Galilee, and all over these places, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, and yet they didn't believe that he rose. And Jesus rebuked them for it. And he corrected them. Why didn't you believe? Why would you allow your heart? He says here, your heart to become stubborn, to refuse that, that stubborn heart. You know, our hearts can be stubborn. And this is why we need the shield of faith. The shield of faith helps us and guards us from unbelief. Go with me to Hebrews chapter three. We're almost done. I know I've said that a couple times, but <laughs> bear with me. Hebrews 3.12. If it's not good to you, it's good to me, man. I'm being encouraged just from what I'm reading. It says, he, it says here, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The arrow of unbelief Satan's going to throw at you. And you need to lift up the shield of faith to be able to extinguish those flaming arrows. God's word is true. The Bible tells us here um, in Romans 11, 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. When you come with a sinful, unbelieving heart, a heart, a stubborn and hardened heart towards God, he does not receive you. The Bible says that those who come to him must believe that he exists. And he's going to reward those who earnestly seek him. You say, well, I called his name. Are you earnestly seeking God? Are you earnestly seeking after him? I'm going to end with this one, Romans 4.20. Praise the Lord. Just talking about this shield of faith is encouraging me. I hope that it's encouraging you. He says, this is awesome. Let's just start in verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it is written, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded 
that God had the power to do what he promised. I don't know about you. Are you fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he promised? Like Abraham, he's the father of faith. The Bible says that it was credited to Abraham because he believed God. And, and what Satan wants to throw at you is a, 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 an arrow of unbelief. He wants to uh, uh, um, bombard you with unbelief in your life. But I tell you today, lift up the shield of faith and extinguish those fiery darts. And begin to, to lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe in you. And then begin to walk in obedience to his word. And God will see you through. And he will be faithful to complete his promise. The Bible says he is the author and perfecter of our faith. God is going to finish the work he starts in our life until it complete, until he completes the work. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. Oh God, we need you. Lord, we can't do this apart from you, God. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Because of him, we have this great salvation. Oh, thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives in our lives today that you've given to those who believe. And not only does he live in us, but as the Bible says that, he, that soon in our lives that we're to have rivers of living water flow out of us. That the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon us so that we can carry out the work that you called us to, Lord. And Lord, you promise and what you promise, you fulfill. Lord, you promise to give believers the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When John the Baptist said, hey, look, there's one greater than me who's coming. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is true. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is believe the Lord and not let your heart be hardened by sin's deceit. Don't have a wicked and unbelieving heart. Trust in the Lord. And you're going to see a victory. You're going to see a victory in your life. Trust in him today. Maybe you're listening right now and you're going, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. But man, the God has convicted my heart. I need to know him. I need to know him. I need to repent of my sin. And I want to believe on Jesus. I want to confess him as my Lord. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. Would you pray this with me? Lord Jesus. I come and I repent for my sin. And I confess you, Lord. I confess you, Jesus, as my Lord. And Lord, I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And I believe that one day you're coming back for us to restore and to, and to be, bring a new heaven, a new earth. Lord, we thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you gave me not only that, but you said if I put my trust in you, you would give me the Holy Spirit and I receive him today. Would you just say, welcome, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, in my life. And God wants to fill you. Thank you, Lord. Say in Jesus' name, amen. I want to pray for my brother and sister who... They've been hearing today and they've been living in a fleshly life. They've been living asleep. They're not in the battle. They're not engaged. And, and, and today I've touched on something that's been happening to them, that the, the arrows of, of false teaching and unbelief has, has hit them hard. But today, as the Bible says, as long as it was called today, 
The Bible says if you repent, that times of refreshing will come from the Lord. Today, repent from your wicked and unbelieving heart and then put your trust in the Lord. Trust in His Word. Act on obedience to His Word. Turn away from all the things that are, that you are so easily, the sin that's so easily entangled, tangling you and put your faith, put your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. God wants to complete the work He started in you. He's faithful to His promise. You and I just have to surrender. And I just pray that you would. And I lift them up to you, Lord, that they would today. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we ask these things. Amen. We'll see you next time. God bless you.